Do you want to stay more focused on the right goals in your life or even just figure out what the right goals are for you? Do you want clarity? Do you want better work-life balance? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Success Through Failure. Welcome to the Success Through Failure podcast, the show that reveals failure as your path to success. You'll listen to intriguing interviews with some of the most successful people on the planet and learn how their failures became a launchpad for success and how yours can too. Here's your host, former Division I All-American wrestler, former Division I head coach, speaker, and personal coach, Jim Harshaw. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw, and I'm bringing you another solo episode today. Actually, this is going to be one episode in a series called Defining Moments, having the courage to face fear, take action, speak up, and move on. And the four-part series is going to be broken down into just those four parts, face fear, take action, speak up, and move on. And, and we're going to talk about facing fear today, and I'm excited about this. I've had some notes on this going for a while and looking forward to bringing you this episode. Uh, I am currently in Charlottesville, Virginia. It's 25 degrees. It was 11 degrees this morning, and I'm sure some of you are saying cry me a river because you're in like Minnesota or Wisconsin or New York or something like that, and it's colder. But man, it's cold. Uh, I'm from Pittsburgh originally, and this is uh, this is even cold for up there. And uh, I, I'm actually still adjusting from Mexico. So we we were in Mexico, me and the whole family, the whole the whole dang lot of us. Uh, four me, Allie, and the four kids were all in Mexico last week. We flew into Cancun, spent most of our time in Playa del Carmen, which is about an hour south of Cancun, and it was awesome. It was just an awesome trip. We uh, we stayed at resorts, but actually two different resorts, but we didn't really do a whole lot of resort time. We didn't kind of linger. We're not we're not lounging around at the resort kind of folks. Um, we did a little bit of that for sure, but we went on excursions pretty much every day. I mean, we went. Uh, snorkeling. We went and explored the town and in a couple different places. We went to Mayan ruins. We went. Um, we actually swam in a cave, like way back deep in a cave where you couldn't even see the entrance anymore. It was pretty amazing. Uh, you know, bats were like ten feet over our heads, and it was just pretty wild. Snor actually uh, did a little. We didn't have snorkels, but we had masks on, so you could actually swim, go underneath the water in the cave. It was pretty cool. So we did that. We did like some horseback riding. I actually went scuba diving twice. I loved to dive. I uh, got my regular certification and then my advanced certification years ago in Guatemala on a trip. And then, uh, anyway, every, every time we go somewhere, we like to, I like to dive and I actually got a couple dives in. I went to, uh, we did a wreck dive on my first dive, which was really cool. It was, uh, about 90, 85, 90 feet deep, uh, called Mama Vina for any of you scuba divers out there. It's a, it's a, uh, I guess a well-known wreck dive there off of Playa del Carmen. And, uh, anyway, there was about, I don't know, it's probably about a 50 or 60 foot, I don't know, more or less a yacht actually swam inside of it, which was pretty wild to, to dive inside of, you know, when you're cut something over your head, actually swam inside. And I looked immediately to my left and there was a, a huge eel, probably five feet long, six feet long, about, I don't know, five, six inches diameter. It was massive and it was green. And when I look it up online, it says it's a green moray eel. I'm not sure if that's what it was or not, but the, the dive, my, the, the dive master, who was guiding us said it was a uh, uh, said it was a wolf eel, but it didn't look like a wolf eel when I googled it. Anyway, it was an awesome wreck. If actually, I'll include a picture, a photograph of the wreck 
uh, of the ship in the action plan. So Leica, if I don't get that to you, remind me to get that to you. Um, I want to get that link uh, or just uh, an image of that. It was a really cool dive. I just want to show you that. And then the second dive was just a little shallower. Later in those, about an hour later, did another shallower dive. Just saw tons of fish. Saw a barracuda eat another fish. It was just wild. Anyway, so just a lot of great adventures, a great excursion. Nobody got sick on the whole trip. Um, you know, flights were great. Anyway, it was just one of those great trips. So nice and warm down there. Just a few days ago, I had my toes in the sand, and now it's uh, it's well below freezing. So anyway, but I digress. So that was a great trip, something we had planned a long time for, and uh, we love to travel and we love to go on adventures. So got a good one in there. So kind of one of those things, you know, it's one of those goals and, and helps you live in alignment with what's important to you. It helps you feel in balance. And uh, so we, we're in a really good spot with that right now. Um, so back to defining moments, right? <clears throat> defining moments in your life. So sometimes you know when they're coming, right? You you plan for it, you train for it, right? You work for it. Uh, I think back to my life, uh, you know, when I was competing as a wrestler, I was, you know, my being an All-American, right? That was a defining moment in my life. Um, getting married, obviously, is a defining moment in your life. Having kids, you know, my TEDx talk, these are all defining moments of my life. And you have your own, right? Um, some of them you prepare for, you know they're coming. Others, you don't, right? You don't You don't expect some of them. Like, like, you know, in episode 178, just a few episodes ago, uh, I talked about the passing of Steve Nakotra, my brother-in-law, and that's just a turning point in my life for sure. Obviously, my my sister's life and her kids, um, but in just our whole family, really. You know, so like kind of one of those defining moments. Um, career change is another one. Sometimes you expect it, sometimes you plan for it, sometimes you don't. Meeting someone who ends up being your spouse or your best friend, right? That's another defining moment. So, you know, again, that's one that you don't necessarily expect or plan for. Um, you know, I think back on my life, you know, when I was invited by a, a good friend on the adventure of a lifetime, when I backpacked through Central America right after college, um, that was a defining moment. So some of these, you kind of see them coming, some of them you don't. And we're going to talk about those. We're going to talk about those in depth and talk about how you can face your own fears, how you can take action, how you can speak up, and how you can move on from, from these defining moments, depend, depending on you know, how, how that defining moment uh, is affecting you. And what I want to do <clears throat> is I'm going to include real-life stories of my own as well as stories of my clients and or my podcast guests with each of these defining moments. And then I'll also include as I always do, strategy, but also tactics, like practical, real world, things that you can do whenever you hit the stop button on this podcast, I want you to be able to go do something, right, within the next 24 hours to move on this, to take action on what you learn. I don't I don't like, you know, consuming content, reading books, listening to podcasts, unless I actually walk away with adding something to my to-do list, something that's going to make help me move forward. So this series is going to be posted whenever I get all these published. Uh, it's going to be posted at my website, jimharshawjr.com slash defining moments, defining moments. So jimharshawjr.com slash defining moments. You can go there and click on the button to get the action plan. Or you could, of course, like always, you can go to jimharshawjr.com slash action, and I'll have an action plan for each one of these episodes. So let's dive into it. Facing fear. We all have fears, and usually our success and the thing that we want is on the other side of that fear, right? You, the, think about what you want in your life, right? Whether it's in 
your relationships or your health or your wealth, your professional career, what you want is often on the other side of fear, right? And maybe that fear shows up as discomfort or that fear shows up as something you just don't like to do, right? So you fear committing to that. You fear doing that thing that's going to bring you the pain or the suffering or the maybe the risk that is going to actually, you know, potentially lead you to where you want to go. You know, I think back on some of these examples for myself, right? I always, here's one for me. I always, I always hated running. I always told myself for years, I'm just not a good runner. And I didn't like running. I remember when I started running when I was a kid, you know, middle school, I guess, for wrestling. I just didn't like it, right? Kind of never had a good experience with it. In high school, I ran cross country for one year and uh, you know, I ran a bunch of my wrestling teammates were cross on the cross country team. I said, man, well, you know, I should be able to hang with these guys, right? I can hang with them all or beat them all for the most part on the, on the wrestling map. I should be able to beat them out on the cross country course. Well, that was like the opposite, right? So I just had these bad experiences and then I cut a lot of weight wrestling, you know, losing a lot, a lot of weight and, um, just kind of one of those parts of the sport that you don't see quite as much anymore, which is good. They've kind of regulated it out for the moms listening. If you want to get your kid into wrestling, uh, a lot of that stuff is, uh, is, is, uh, in a bygone era, but I was cutting a lot of weight. And so I, you know, I'd have a stinking plastic suit on and a sweatshirt and sweatpants and, and a hat in, uh, in 80 degree weather in summertime in Pittsburgh and, in you know, running, trying to lose weight for, for junior nationals or something like that. So I always had, I used to always telling myself this story, but I wanted to become more comfortable at running. So a few years ago, I decided to just sign myself up for a half marathon. And I did, I just, I, I made the commitment. I signed up for the half marathon and then I started training and my first training day, I ran like three miles and it sucked. And then I ran three miles again a couple of days later and that sucked. And then every day I, every week I added one or two miles until I got up to 12 miles and, and it sucked every step of the way until I got to about five or six miles or seven miles. And, and then things started to get a little easier and a little easier and a little easier and actually became fun. And I, I embraced this discomfort. I sought out my fear I made a commitment, actually got a couple running buddies, so I so started running with a couple different people. Most of it was by myself, though, and, but I learned about running. I listened to some podcasts about running, and I bought into it, and I started changing my language. I started faking it a little bit, and actually, when I, I used to always tell people, it, just in conversation, if it came up, yeah, I hate running. Well, I changed my language, and I said, I said I'm starting to like running, or I changed it from I'm not good at running to I'm getting better at running. And those things weren't total lies, right? I had to fake it a little bit, but but they weren't I didn't I didn't come out and say, "You know what? I love running." And I could have done that, and that would have been too much of a stretch, and I think I could have gotten there mentally. But I started I just kind of made that incremental, "You know what? I'm starting to get better at running. I'm starting to love running. I'm starting to enjoy running." And lo and behold, ran the 12 mile, ran the half marathon. It was just, uh, it was awesome. It was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. And, uh, or 13 miles, 13.1, I guess. And, um, and I enjoyed it. And it was, uh, it was actually fun and enjoyable. So I faced that fear. I made that commitment. I, I, uh, I faked it until I made it and made it. And, and, and I, I achieved the goal. I think of another, another fear that I had. I'm afraid of heights. I'm the guy, if you go to like the Grand Canyon, I'm like the guy standing a couple feet back from the edge, from like the railing, right? Because I don't like looking over the edge. But what I do like to do is face my fears. So I've always had this fear of heights. And 
So what did I do? I signed up to skydive. This is when I was still in college. I signed up to skydive, paid the money, and now I'm in, right? And I, I got someone to do it with me. It was my dad. All my friends said they wanted to do it, by the way. Some of you guys are probably listening. And nobody said, nobody, when I say, hey, I'm doing it, nobody did it with me. So I got my dad. My dad always said he wanted to do it. So he and I went skydiving. We, we committed, signed up, we paid the money, we showed up, went through six hours of training because it, was a, it wasn't a tandem jump. It was a, uh, a static line jump. You're solo by yourself. You jump out of the plane by yourself. Uh, but the chute opens on a 20-foot cord. Uh, so you're free fall. I mean, you're, you're only falling for a couple of seconds before your chute opens. But, uh, but still, you're jumping out of a perfectly good airplane um, with nothing but a parachute on your back. So we did it. We made that commitment. And uh, it was terrifying, and I had to use a little bit of faking it till I made it. You know, a little bit of self talk saying, "I'm, I'm, I want to do this. I'm looking forward to this. I'm excited about this." Because fear definitely set in, especially when you're several thousand feet in the air and the the door of the airplane opens and you're looking down onto the earth, thousands of feet below. uh, There's some fear. (laughs) There's some real fear there. Um, So anyway, I and I did it right, and it. End up doing it, I think, one or two years later. I think a year later, actually. And the next summer, uh, I sky, skydived again. And another fear that I've had is fear of rejection. I'm just the people pleaser, you know? And I know that's a weakness of mine. It's also a strength of mine. And, but I also, but I also had that fear of rejection. And I had a job years ago where I had to cold call. And I remember my boss saying, you can call, actually, the company's called Grand Classroom. By the way, any of you who have like students, if you're a teacher or if you have students who are in middle school or high school, this is an awesome company. They do the, of course, the typical uh, eighth grade Washington, D.C. field trip, but they have a different twist on it. They do some outdoor stuff, but they also take you to like the Grand Canyon. They take people like all over the country. They go to the Shenandoah National Park and um, um, just all, just Smoky Mountains. They do all kinds of amazing like sort of outdoor trips for students, educational tours for students. So anyway, grand classroom. But I worked for that company. I had to do a lot of phone calls, a lot of cold calls. And my boss said, Jim, just keep dialing because, you know, if someone gets mad and they hang up on you, there's another, there's more fish in the sea. And I had to do that a lot. And I got hung up on a lot and had uncomfortable conversations and just had people tell me no. And that really helped me get over that fear of rejection, right? And I worked in a sales office where you know, we had basically offices, but the walls didn't go away to the ceiling. So you could hear everybody else on the phone. You could hear what they're saying. You could hear them get hung up on. You could hear them get rejected. And everybody else was doing it. So you felt more comfortable doing it, right? So I was part of a team. Uh, I had a, I made a commitment because I took the job and had to fake it a little bit. Um, and, and, and it worked, right? And the other part is like kind of, you know, practicing like seeing what's, what the outcome could be. Right? When you practice visualizing and seeing what that outcome could be, it makes it a lot easier to have uh, an authentic and genuine phone call um, facing that fear. So if you break this down a little bit, what did I do to face my fears? Number one, I made a commitment, right? In all those cases, I made a commitment. I signed up for the half marathon. I signed up to go skydiving. I accepted the job, right? I made these commitments that, that kind of forced me to do it, right? I still, of course, I could have still backed out if I wanted to on any of those, but, but for the most part, you know, I made that commitment. And, and once you pay the money, once you sign up, once you sign on the dotted line, once you put your name on there, once you, you know, accept the contract and start working for that company, once you make that commitment, it's a lot harder to go back. 
If it's something that you know you could do, you know you should do, find a way to make that commitment. That's why accountability works so well because you're making that commitment to somebody other than just your sort of subconscious self. You're making that commitment outwardly to somebody else. That's why having a coach or being part of a mastermind group works so well. Um, and if you're you're a little bit fearful of making that commitment, think about Tim Ferriss. He has this exercise called fear setting. You can Google it, but you know you really look at you know what's the worst that could happen here, right? Um, in some situations, you may have to you know may not just be you, right? The worst that can happen to you, you may have to take in the opinion or, or, or take of your of your spouse. You may have to factor in their fears. As well, I'm not telling you just go quit your job and 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 go for it. Do whatever it is that thing you're thinking about doing, or, or 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 you know signing up for that thing. I mean, signing up for running a marathon if you're you're a couch potato right now. But like, what is that commitment? What's that first commitment that you can make? What's that first step that you can make? So that was that's one right is commitment. Here's the second. Here's the second one. Get a partner or join a team. Or if you don't have a team, there's not one out there. Create one. Right, I think back on my wrestling career. Like wrestling's a really scary thing if you think about it. You're stepping out into the center of a a mat. There's nobody else out there on your team. You're out there by yourself. You've got to face another man who's trying to dominate you. Oh, and by the way, you're in a single piece of tight fitting lycra. Right, and you're standing in front of a crowd. Sometimes thousands and thousands of people, and it's scary. And wrestling's a sport where you don't just lose like a game. Like you get beaten. Like you you get dominated, you get beaten, and the other person is superior to you. And that's uh that's a it's a really humbling sport. Um but but when you're part of a team, it makes it a little bit easier. When you know there's other people doing it with you, that makes it a little bit easier. And you know, it's like those sales calls I was making, those cold calls. It makes it a little more acceptable to face fear and get rejected and fail if there's other people around you trying to do the same thing. Environment of excellence. I talk about this. If you're a client of mine, you know this. We've worked on this. We've developed this environment of excellence. You surround, it's part of, part of it is people. It's one of four parts, but part of it is people. And when you surround yourself with those, those environments and those people, it's easier to make that commitment. It's easier to face your fear. It's easier to take action. It's like cliff jumping. Matter of fact, that's something we did last week in Mexico. We jumped off a cliff and it was about, I don't know, 15 or 20 feet. So it wasn't super high. It was pretty high. I've jumped off 60 footers before, which is terrifying. Uh, but I should say, let's look at that, that, that example, 60 footer. And, and your body just gets crushed when you hit the water. It hurts. And I don't know if I'd have done it if it was just me by myself or, or if, if I was with one other person and they weren't going to do it. But there was a group of us and other people went before me. And, you know, yeah, someone did jump off a cliff in front of me and, and I decided to do it because they did <laughs> too, right? Just like mom tells you not to do. And when you have other people around you, when you have that environment of excellence, and I can't tell you, I got to tell you, some of those people weren't excellent that we were jumping off a cliff with. <laughs> some of them weren't good examples. But... The point being, you know, when you're part of a team, it helps you face that fear. It helps you move forward. It helps you take that step, right? Shoot, ad- adopting a new software, right? If you're trying to adopt, I don't know, if you're in a sales company like Salesforce, right? Or ad- adopting a new CRM or just a new, getting a new phone, right? 
adopting a new software is easier when you're not the early adopter, right? That's why there's so few people who are kind of in that category of early adopter. Most people want to wait until it's tested and proven and everybody else has done it. Okay, everything's good. Now I'm going to do it with every, with, 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 with the masses, right? So that's the second one. The third example here is you can see that in all of these areas, all these stories I told you about myself. I'm going to give you a couple of great stories from my podcast too, but I had to fake it a little bit. I had to fake it. I had to change my self-talk like I did when I was talking about running. You know, I'm starting to become a better runner. I'm starting to enjoy this, right? When I when I signed up for the, the skydiving, it's like, uh, I want to do this. I chose to do this. This is something I want to do, right? I had to lie to myself a little bit because it's, at certain points, like, I didn't want to do it, right? Um, so you got to fake it a little bit, right? You got to walk the walk as best you can and fake it till you make it. That's part of it. Then here's the other piece that I didn't talk about so much, but this is important, especially, you know, you see this in sports, but it's so important in life. And actually one of my clients does this quite a bit. He actually, every day he visualizes his, his, his day going well. I love the fact that he does this and I don't do this nearly enough, but that's one of his core habits that we've did sort of, he and I worked on these core habits that he knows he has to execute on. We have a 30 minute call every week and, and I just hold him accountable to those, those core habits. Those are the things that are going to, that have made him successful. We're going to continue to make him successful as we continue to hone and refine and edit and adopt date and, and iterate those core habits. But one of them is visualizing his ideal day. So you've got to visualize what success is going to feel like. Visualize what success will feel like when you make a sales call and it goes well, or when you hit your quota, or once you put your feet on the ground after you skydive, right? Once you actually jump off that cliff, land in the water, pop up, and you're smiling, going, wow, that was exhilarating. That was thrilling. Visualize and feel what that's going to feel like. That will help you face your fear. Your fears may be completely different than anything I'm talking about right now. Let me give you a couple of examples straight from my podcast. Imagine if you're born and you don't look like everybody else. And I'm not talking about just the color of your skin. I'm talking about what if, what if you don't have any legs? What if, what if you don't have any arms? Do you think there'd be hesitation to do things like go out for a sport like football or wrestling or maybe climb a mountain or maybe step into the ring in an MMA fight? I mean, do you think there's going to be fear? Yes, there is. There's going to be fear. And that's what Kyle Maynard in episode number five, way back in episode number five, and that's when the podcast was called something totally different. It's called Wrestling with Greatness. But it's the same episode. If you go the whole way back to episode five, go to jimharshowjr.com slash five. I don't even know if your podcast app that you're listening to this from, if I don't even, I don't even know if it'll go back that far. Um, I think mostly they just keep like the last hundred episodes or something like that on iTunes anyway. But if you go to jimharshowjr.com slash five, you'll hear Kyle Maynard's story about how he had to make a commitment about how he had a team around him and he's still doing, he's climbing mountains. Guess what? He doesn't do it by himself. He has a team, a team of like-minded people. And that's what it takes. What if, let me ask you this. What if, what if you're like 12, 13 years old and you start losing your vision, slowly start losing your vision and you go blind 
then what? Think about the fear. Think about the fear of going through your life like that. Terrifying. You think you would kayak the Grand Canyon? You think you would climb Mount Everest? Guess what? Eric Weinmayer did. Episode 96. Now, listen, I'm, I've, I'm, a, I'm a rock climber. I'm a whitewater kayaker. I've kayak cla- class five whitewater. It's terrifying, and I can see. And Eric Weinmayer, he did it. He made a commitment, big-time commitments. He didn't, he didn't do it all at once. He had to make smaller commitments that led up to this. Right, and he had to wake up in the morning and, and put his put his pants on, put his shoes on, eat breakfast just like you. Had you know, you know, like everybody else, they have challenges in whatever, right? Relationships, or you get sick, or you don't feel like it today, right? Or you have some kind of setback. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's otherwise. Yeah, these guys had the same thing, but they faced this fear. They made a commitment. They built a team. They faked it till they made it visualized and they also had to take action okay they had to take that first action so that's what I want you to do I want you to identify something that you want and and, and then identify the fear that's holding you back maybe it's a fear of rejection maybe it's a fear of trying maybe it's a fear of looking silly I want you to take that first step. What is that one thing? Just one thing. I'm not, not, not 10 things, not three things. One. What's one commitment that you can make? And what's, who is one person or one group of people that can help you get there? Maybe you can sign up for Toastmasters, right? If you want to practice public speaking, right? Maybe you can join a running club. Maybe you can take a class. Maybe it's online. Maybe it's a local community college. Maybe you can join a, a business networking group. Maybe you can join a mastermind group. Maybe you can, you know, call a coach, get a coach who can actually hold you accountable to doing the things that you know you need to do. This is what elite performers do. They make a commitment. They get a partner or join a team or create a team if there isn't one. Fake it till they make it. And then visualize yourself. Visualize what that's going to feel like when you get what you want. So I encourage you, don't just listen to this and move on with your day. Identify that one action that you need to take. Maybe it's finding a group or a person. Maybe it's signing up for that thing, putting money down. But I want you to make that one commitment in the next 24 hours. And if you do that in the next 24 hours, I want you to email me. Shoot me an email, jim at jimharshawjr.com. Email me. I can be your partner in that. It can be that one person you say, Jim, this is what I'm committing to. And we can leave it at that. Tell me, make that commitment. Jim at jimharshawjr.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Make that commitment. If you know somebody else who needs to hear this episode, please, please give it a share. This is episode number 182. So jimharshawjr.com slash 182. And this is the first of a four-part series called Defining Moments. If you know and you do, you know somebody who needs to hear this. And this is how this podcast grows because people go, yeah, that resonated with me. Somebody else I know. I know one person in my life that needs to hear this. Or maybe you want to share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, send somebody a text message. If you go to jimharshawjr.com slash 
share. You can share it quickly and easily on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. There's a one-click button. You can add it to text if you want, or you can just click submit and it'll go. But share it with one other person. I appreciate that. And take action. And as always, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success.